Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Electric Liberty Land out there. My chillins, my childrens of the corn. Welcome back to another uh, corny episode of Electric Liberty Land. This is, if you're wondering, Electric Liberty Land episode 32, everybody, which means you can find it at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL32. And uh do want to say at the top of the show, guys, that I do hope you are interested in joining our pride. You heard Mark talk about it at the top of the show, but we are pumping out all sorts of great content there. We just did a amazing conspiracy corner on that program, which we uh, we put out to our pride members. You get in as little as five bucks. And we talked about all, all sorts of things. The main topic was whether or not Bill Hicks and Alex Jones are indeed the same person. Uh there's there the big connection is they have the same producer, this guy named Kevin Booth, and he produced Bill Hicks when he was doing comedy, I guess, and he also was Alex Jones' producer when he started doing like public access show, and I think he still works with Alex Jones, so they have a, a very close connection to the same person. Now, I am currently on Kevin Booth's website. He his his company is Sacred Cow Productions, and I found this artist bio. Okay. So this is an artist bio of Alex Jones. It's on his website because he works with Alex Jones. Very first paragraph. I'm just going to read the first paragraph. Alex used to sit in front of a star map, and I had a hard time pointing my finger on exactly why what it was that Alex was talking about. I remember the very last time Bill Hicks came to Austin Access, spring of 93. We were working on a script called, quote, Public Access about a Rush Limbaugh-type character who angers the viewers, and, and the viewer came to the station and killed the host on air. Bill's character was an abstract composite of various access personalities, including Alex. Bill actually watched Alex one day and said he has a magnetism, but I can't tell where he's going. And he goes on to basically, sort. I mean, it's almost at some point, it almost sounds like he's talking about the same person. Uh, so there's a very, very, very direct connection between the two of them outside of just the fact that they kind of look alike and both talked about conspiracies. What do you guys think about that? I'm not buying it. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, all right. And that's the end of the episode, I mean, guys. Thanks, good night, yeah. everybody. <laughs> I mean, why, Howie? Why? Well, well, My guest today was involved in that very conversation, the one and the only godfather of liberty here at the Lions of Liberty, Howie Snowden. What's up, Howie? Hey, Brian. I'm here ready to bring the electric fire and fury that the world has never seen before. Oh, exciting. Don't tell the people we're going to talk about, Howie. <laughs> people might get tipped off now, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll get around to that. Teaser. <laughs> yeah, high-level teasers. So first things first, uh, the, the thing I want to talk about at the top of the show is because it's been on the top of my mind is this Google engineer letter. And what this was, it came out a couple of days ago. Um, actually, it came out, I guess, Monday of this week. And what was leaked from inside Google, an internal memo was sent to all of the Google population. And I'm not sure how wide the range was that it covered, but apparently everybody ended up getting it. But this Google engineer sent a memo basically challenging 
Google's hiring proper uh, practices and their standards on, you know, diversity and basically forcing through diversity hires in order to achieve a, a predestined set level of uh, minorities and women, et cetera, as we've seen so many companies do striving for diversity. And he also challenged Google's essentially what is he can he termed as like an echo chamber of thought, wherein you've got the same progressive people and the same progressive mindset all being hired into this company that's supposed to be known for pushing the boundaries of what is possible. They're known for these innovative concepts. And he's saying we need to get more people in there that have different ways of thinking. We should strive for diversity of thought rather than diversity of color or sex. The response to this was not great, (laughs) Um, to say the least. Uh, From Gizmodo, which is what picked up and ran the original story and they published the entire letter, they deemed it an anti-diversity screed and uh, kind of, a, and, and that was picked up and ran with by virtually all of the media outlets that I saw until some of the more conservative places come in and said, I don't, you know, what's the big deal? Hold on, sell your horses. So Howie, did you see and read a, I don't know if you read the entire 10 pages. I've linked to it in the show notes, but did you get a chance to read the letter and what was your initial thought about this engineer's comments? So I, I didn't read the entire letter, but I've read snippets of it and I've heard people talk about it and, this whole thing is so disappointing. I really thought at least one thing that maybe the Trump era would give us like the end to this PC bullshit, but apparently not because all the uh, like media attention on this is totally mischaracterizing what the guy said. I mean, some of the parts that I read was saying, you know, he's not looking to put people in gender roles, but to look at people as individuals and not stick them in these like groups of people. And I mean, is it crazy to me that I think that like people should be judged by who they are as an individual, not based on their skin color or their genitalia? I mean, it seems to be a logical <laughs> way to go about it, right? I mean, is, is that what's important? That's what matters. I, I think the diversity of thought, like this guy has a different opinion. It, apparently, Google's not for that kind of diversity. Um, right. And this guy. So and, and he goes on in this letter. I'll, I'll say about talk about these biases. So he says Google's biases. And he goes, at Google, we talk so much about unconscious bias as it applies to race and gender, but we rarely discuss our moral biases. Political orientation is actually a result of deep moral preferences and thus biases. Considering that the overwhelming majority of the social sciences media and Google lead left, we should critically examine these prejudices. And he goes on to list some biases there. So when we're talking about, you know, considering people by their ideas uh, and not the, the color of their skin or what sex they are, he's pointing out that within Google, even if they did have a, a hiring practice where they said, OK, well, we're going to just, you know, we're just going to hire people that uh, that that are uh, getting ahead by merit. They still would all lean left as far as what they're trying to accomplish because they've got these left biases. And within the technology sector, we saw this with Patreon CEO recently, too. You see, overwhelmingly, they lean so far left that ostr- they ostracize people that think in this manner as he's doing. Yeah, it's like diversity of thought. Unless you're not a lefty progressive, then fuck you. You're out. Right. And that's <laughs> and that is what, literally what happened to this guy. <laughs> um, news broke today that he was fired. He's out on his ass. Yeah, and he's I, fi- he's filed a lawsuit, though. And I think he, from what I read, I think he might have some pretty good standing. Um, I, I mean, I may not agree with all the laws. But I think a lot of the practices that Google has in place is not legal. And they, they apparently they apparently can't. Um, tell their employees like they can't stop them from speaking their political ideas with other employees and things like that. There's like a whole laundry list of things. Yeah, that- I was reading that. It was like the uh, journal review article on that. It's the exact same thing, and it's just, it's like it, within the workplace. I think it's a, yeah, legal discriminatory laws where you can't be discriminated against based upon an opinion if that opinion is in the context of 
giving feedback on a company culture or with for the practices of the company, which this guy's memo yeah. was. And it wasn't that, just yep. bitching to bitch. No, and it <laughs> makes a lot of sense. It's it's crazy that, you know, something that is true, you can't say it because it might be offensive to someone. Yeah. And then I guess did you see too that I guess a bunch of women were so upset by this they like called off of work from Google. You, uh, it's like, I, I, it's like, are you? That's the thing. It's it's complete intellectual dishonesty for these people to say that. Oh well, you know what? I was so upset because he wrote a letter, which by the way didn't attack. In the very first sentence of the letter, he's like, "I'm not sexist. I'm not racist. I don't feel that. You know, I feel that everyone should have equal opportunity." Again, this guy's the basic to boil the points down from his letter were, I guess, these basic three points. Number one, they have a almost. Uh, single-mindedness in regards to progressive thought. Number two, he feels that while he doesn't oppose women and any sort of diverse, uh, you know, diverse peoples coming into Google that might do it, he feels it should be based on the merit of their ideas and their ability as an engineer or as a, I don't even know what Google calls it. You know, it's like the, uh, the Disney Imagineers, whatever the fuck Google wants to call them. So based upon that, number two, and number three, he did go into a little bit of talking about the lack of women. You know, why is there a lack of women in computer cram- programming in certain industry sectors? And this is really where he got into trouble was he starts going into the basic concept of, you know what, from a biological, uh, bi- <laughs> biological perspective, you look at the evolution of men and women and the the basic gender roles that have been there for centuries and centuries. And he's saying, basically, you know, we can't ignore these. And I agree with him in that, in that I feel that there are certain characteristics, which may or may not in, you know, be instilled in women that say, okay, well, if you're a woman, yes, there's going to be exceptions. Yes. Some women are going to be very interested in computer programming or very interested in going into a, a science and research field. But there's also a lot of, you know, centuries and millennia of biological input there that have that, you know, urge to be a mother, urge to be a caregiver, urge to be these other things that draw them to different types of careers. And to ignore that to me seems insane. Yeah. And something, something I've always noticed is, I mean, people are all different through individuals. And if you judge someone by a stereotype, you're doing a disservice to yourself and them. It's you know, you have no idea of knowing if that person is like the stereotype that you have. But but on the other hand, stereotypes don't come from nowhere. And for big percentages of some groups, these things might be true. And uh, uh, this might be true for a lot of women. But of course, it's not true for every woman. People are individuals. They should take the whole what your genitalia is, what your skin color is out of it and just look at an individual based on their skills, based on their merit. That that's how things should be. Um, Precisely. Just, I mean, really, if they wanted, if they wanted diversity, if you want real equality and real diversity, uh, you should just well, even not even. I don't even think you should want necessarily. If you're a company, you're running a business, you might want diversity for again for uh, different interpretations of uh, of data or different ways to look at the world. But at the end of the day, if you're looking for a certain set of skills, you should just cross out the name, cross out the ethnicity, like you're saying, and look at. Their yeah. essay. Maybe, look at maybe their stats. I, maybe I want a diversity of people that know different types of coding languages. Maybe I want people a diversity of people into like different types of technologies I might be able to employ. Um, these superficial characteristics. It seems ridiculous to 
try to artificially force a diversity of that when it's right. What does that do for the company? Exactly. And especially where it comes to women within computer programming, there is a big drop off. Women were, were big computer programmers. So I was looking at a graph about this until the eighties, like in the eighties, they were still getting into it. And then it dropped off precipitously. And there people are saying, Oh, I, we blame society. And it's like, well, why, why? It doesn't make any sense. Women kept going in other fields. They kept going in biochemistry. They kept becoming doctors and other fields of science. Why in these fields did it drop off like it did? And now since you do have a dearth of women that are computer programmers, you're going to try to force them in. I mean, just by the pure numbers alone, you're clearly doing yourself a disservice. You're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing them a disservice because you're going to put somebody in a position wherein they are not able to compete and they're not able to hang because they don't have the ability because they're just not that good, especially if you are a Google or if you are a, you know, whatever uh, Elon Musk is up to. You want people that are going to be able in high pressure situations that are dealing with the very best people at that capable position. And if you're shoving somebody in there, that person's probably going to have a breakdown or feel that she's being uh, discriminated against because people are getting tired of dealing with her or him, whoever it is, if you're shoving them in there, uh, because they're, they're probably saying, oh, you know, I feel like I'm talked down to at work all the time. And I feel like I'm, I'm being marginalized. It's like, yeah, because you're, you're stupid compared to everybody else there because they only put you in that position because you're a minority or a woman or whatever else. And you're only there because you're good at complaining to HR and getting your way. Right. I mean, and again, this is not to say that that this is an automatic. Uh, clearly, there are very, very intelligent women. I'm sure there are brilliant computer pro- programmers out there, like like anything else. But of course, uh, and but, if but, yeah. more if more women were actually interested in it and working at it, I'm sure there'd be even more. But for some reason, this doesn't seem to be at the uh, the top of career choices that most women pick. Right. And this guy pointed it out and now he's fired and he's looking for a job. And like I said, he's suing them. And I, you know, I'm not for the discrimination. Uh, WikiLeaks offered. I saw WikiLeaks offered him a job because they thought it was ridiculous that Google fired him. Ah, That's that's great. Good old Julian Assange. Yeah. (laughs) Well, do you see the media reaction too? is saying that the alt-right has got a new martyr now. Like, again, immediately (laughs) labeling this guy as as alt-right, despite the fact he identifies as classic liberal. Which essentially yeah. is code for libertarian, more acceptable code for libertarianism. Well, wasn't uh? Do you read something about his parents? Weren't they like some Nobel laureates or something, or like some? No, I don't. I didn't see that. Somebody pretty, you know, not like celebrity famous, but you know, well known famous too. So they're definitely going to have uh, the right lawyers and things to pursue this. Good. Well, like I said, I'm not a fan of the discriminati- the uh, discrimination laws on the books. But I am a fan of people using those laws to sue Google for $50 million. And that's what I hope he gets. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and by the way, everyone, if you're sick of Google, use the Brave browser instead. It's just as good. It is good. I really like the Brave browser. And I'm going yeah. to now. I'm, I'm, I'm super pissed off. I'm switching off of it. I, I don't know if I can give up my Gmail, though, because that's the email address yeah. that everybody has. It's, they've got me. Yeah, they do. And that's the other thing that's scary about this, though, is I was reading this one piece. It was saying that, you know, Google is essentially they are the library for the internet at this point. They control so much of the data and they have access to all of your browser history and all of your data. Yeah. And for them now, <laughs> I'm sure be, I'll never get a, a job at Google now. Oh no, no way. <laughs> no, neither will I, but, but they're, but essentially they're now the, the thought police and you can see clearly where their biases lay. So what's to say, what's to say what they're going to do now. It's clear. They've got this bias. Are they going to start squashing uh, results? Are they going to start uh, manipulating the data? Are they going to start, you know, like it opens start, it up to all I, this nefarious I think, shit. I think, I think they've been doing it. A lot of people have shown that. Enough. Um, like the Hillary Clinton stuff, you mean? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you just compare, like, Google search something or search something on Google and on another uh, search engine, and you'll see drastically different results. Yeah, Bing. Is, I've noticed that, especially I tried Google and Bing before. And, yeah, Google, especially with Hillary Clinton, it was shocking. You'd never get negative results. But on Bing, it would be, like, the first thing that was a scandal. There was, like, scandals every day. And there's, like, nothing would come up on Google ever. I would bet anything that Google's in bed with the government, too. Oh, probably. And Facebook, too. I mean, Facebook, you look at oh, the, yeah. uh, oh, the yeah. news okay. stories that, that trend on Facebook, like Twitter and Facebook. Will, I mean, even Twitter, I think, messes with it. But you'll see stuff trending. And then you look on Facebook's news feed. And even though every single person on Facebook is talking about it, it's nowhere to be found on their little sidebar news feed. It's just all all crap that they want to talk about. Well, luckily, whenever I go to Facebook, I go right to our the Lions Liberty Forum. and uh, That's right, which you can join by typing in <laughs> Lions of Liberty Forum in your search, search book bar. And uh, if you're not too crazy looking, we will add you. <laughs> All right. So that's that's I think I think that we did a pretty good job of summing that up and just how uh, insane this is and how insane the environment has become where this man has successfully been put out of a job by the feminists and the social justice warriors in the world that have uh, worked their way into Google. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton. And if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. Uh, let's move on. Let's do a little bit of Trump or dump. All right. Yeah, you ready for this, man? Hey, this is a Lions Liberty game show where you can actually be right or wrong, too. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Unlike so many of our game shows. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and on this riveting episode of Trump or Dump, the game show that's sweeping the nation, two nations, in fact, America and North Korea. Uh, we are going to get into a lot of the North Korea talk. And what's interesting, guys, is that Howie actually spent time in North Korea stationed there while he was in the army. So he's got a good insight into what the people it, think. And- in, in South Korea, Brian. I didn't- oh, <laughs> yeah, shit. yeah. Not North Korea. Sorry. <laughs> South Korea. My bad. <laughs> but you were you were close enough. You could you could huck things over the wall. Oh, yeah. I've been to the DMZ. How many glory there. holes, by the way, are there in the fence uh, slash wall <laughs> between South and North Korea? And could you make it through the wall? Not enough, I think is the right answer. <laughs> I actually saw I saw some picture online. You know those like those stupid ads that just have a picture that's completely unrelated to the content that they want you to click. And it was like crazy, you know, crazy North Korean pictures you won't believe. And it was like a bunch of super hot uh, North Korean chicks in like military garb. And I was like, I'm tempted to click it, but I'm not. I'm not going to. <laughs> All right. Anyway. 
So North Korea is heating up, man. Uh, I know you pay very close attention and how he also sends us our, our news links on the emails every day. So he's, he's clearly got his finger on the pulse, but the latest thing with, with North Korea, they say from all the intelligence reports that there is a nuclear, you know, they've been able to micronize, um, is that even a word? Micronize? Miniaturize. Yeah, miniaturize. <laughs> they've been able to miniaturize. I think I'm like putting in inner space. You ever see the movie inner space with Dennis, I Dennis Quaid? I I swear to God, you, you made I start thinking micro machines. I was thinking the micro machine guy, like miniaturizing nukes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we put a nuke up in your water. Yeah. So they were able to miniaturize a nuclear weapon to the point where they feel that it could fit on a ballistic warhead. So that now has got a, a lot of people at the UN. They're getting all sorts of sanctions, the strongest sanctions people are claiming that have ever been issued against at least North Korea, if not any country. That's banning a lot of imports from and, and and exports, for that matter, to China, to Russia, and China and Russia have apparently signed on to this. So North Korean response is doing an incredible amount of saber rattling. And I'll turn it over to you. So Trump had some interesting things to say, Howie, and I know because you teased it at the very top of the show that you know what they are. So let's let's have you share. Yeah, Trump came out and said that you know North Korea has been threatening us way more than normal, and if they continue, they'll be met with the fire and fury like the world has never seen before. He does not mince words. <laughs> he does not. And I'm not even sure where to start on this one. I guess we could talk about them miniaturizing a nuke. Um, is that true? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But when I start hearing these things coming from our media, it immediately makes me think of the lead up to Iraq, like they're like prepping us for war. I mean, they might, they might not. We know they're working on it. But one thing I do know is, I mean, obviously we would crush North Korea in a war, but it would be a terrible, awful, the bloodiest, worst war in our lifetimes oh, since easily. World War II. Easily. I don't know if people understand, but they have a huge um, – conventional army and so i'm not even that concerned with their nukes maybe it would possibly get one off maybe it works and hits something we care about but their artillery there's like 20 million people in seoul which is in range and i don't know how many soldiers we have they're probably like 30,000 like, or so more than, i think it's 80,000 at this point isn't it yeah that that enough that enough americans will get killed they will get dragged into this and it, it's gonna be awful oh, yeah. but seriously they can decimate Seoul and all these areas. It's good. There'll be likely millions dead. We'll win in the end, but at what cost? Why would you provoke something like this? And that, I mean, that makes me think, like, does Kim Jong-un want this? Is this what he's trying to do? I don't think so. I think he's, I don't think he's crazy. I think he's a rational person. And this is, even before Trump's time, we've really screwed ourselves when we tell people to give up their weapons, like Gaddafi. And when they do, what do we do? We go in and sodomize to death with a knife. Yeah. I mean, he's, he sees this. So <laughs> yeah, he well, he's be, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be sodomized would, with a knife. <laughs> he would be crazy to give up the nukes, but I don't think he would do something unless now he must feel completely threatened. He's probably shitting himself. I mean, he, he probably thinks Trump is crazy and Trump's out here saying you're going to be met with the fire and fury of like the world's never seen before. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's like that, that regime has no, I mean, clearly he, it's gotten more and more crazy as it's gone along, but the Kim Jong family, they clearly know that, like you were saying, they have no option other than to continue to say, look, we're going to go down. I mean, it's like the Libertarian Party. Essentially, that's what it is. North Korea is the <laughs> fucking Libertarian Party's logo with, it's the porcupine, where it's just don't step on it. 
then that's yeah. what they are. Because if you step on it, you're going to win. You're much bigger than the porcupine, but the collateral damage will be such that it's just not worth the fight. And I yeah. mean, I guess it might get to the point if they continue to threaten the U.S., if they can, if they keep firing off missiles. And I think it's to the point after this recent round of rhetoric and even with the sanctions, I don't think they're going to fire another one because I think it's gotten to the point where even Kim Jong-un is, is, I mean, intelligent it, enough that he says, if I fire again, that might be it. And they're, and they're going to take a preemptive strike. And chi- I mean, China and the U.S. have already done joint, uh, military missions in plain sight to tell North Korea, look, it's only going to go so far. And when this goes so far, right. we're going to act. So when China's poised to act, they've already put troops like, up against the border too. And Russia's on board. Japan clearly is on board with their military. So everybody's ready to pounce. And of course, South Korea. So I, 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 I don't see he's going to push it any farther than he has. No, it, unless he thinks there's no way out. That's, that's the danger. I wish someone could de-escalate things yeah if they don't i dennis rodman i I don't want a war to start i want someone to assassinate him let one person die instead of millions yeah well you know what it's shocking that nobody within that country has already you know performed a military coup and maybe that's why he's killing people so often i mean god he executes people at a tremendous pace and you know if it is going to happen i think it's it's getting closer because, I mean, previously being part of the elite, it's like, all right, yeah, the country sucks, but I've got it way better than anyone else. But now when the elite that are backing him don't know if they're going to get be the next one to get killed every day, I mean, how long are they going to continue to support it? Right. If that's eventually going to become not worth it, too dangerous, we need to do something. I yeah. don't know. It, it, I'm shocked as shit to see that Russia and China voted for the sanctions with this in the, the UN council. Like they literally have no friends left. Yeah. It's, I mean, it shows you how far, I mean, Kim Jong is, he's played his hand wrong. You know, this continued, continued show of force, even though they say, wait, we want to show you, yeah, but we have nukes. It's like, that's great. But I mean, man, you can't, <laughs> you can only go so far. And even if you're not bluffing, you know, you, you can only go so far until people say, okay, this threat's gotten too far. Uh, yeah, I this, is, a worry, rabid, though, this with, is not a dog that's barking at me as I walk past anymore. This is a rabid animal that I feel is going to attack me. It's just a matter of when, and I'd rather attack it first, which I don't support that concept of attacking first, unless they did something that was a clear provocation where they, they're clearly, like, like I said, if they fired a missile and it landed in U.S. waters, any, even if it's off the coast somewhere, then like you just near, say, okay, drop the fucking bomb or something. Yeah, exactly. Then you say, all right, it's time. But, uh, you, you've done it. You've done it now, fool. So one thing that I'm worried about is what if with Trump, with all this negative press he's getting, all the polls dropping, and I mean, he knows when he struck Syria, people, the news, yeah. the liberal media even was CNN all for it. CNN loved hope, him, yeah. I hope he doesn't think that this is his way back in. Yeah. But, uh, well, I hope not either, yeah. although I, you might be right with that. And I was talking last night, I was working on a screenplay with a buddy of mine who is one of the most progressive people I know, and I swear to God, we sat down. And uh, we're talking about a little bit north about North Korea. And he goes, man, he's like, I can't wait for them to bomb the shit out of that fucker. And I was like, wow, what happened to the what happened to the anti-war left? But I mean, I would love for something to happen to Kim Jong Un, but not all those other North Koreans that are literally prisoners. Yeah. And 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 living the worst lives, this the world. Yeah. Well, and who's going to who's going to be on the hook if North Korea bombs the living hell, raises soul to the ground? Who's going to be there to put all that, put all that money back to pick up the pieces? Who's going to be over there spending billions and trillions of dollars to rebuild that country? You know, it's going to be us. Oh, yeah. So what we do. Yep. 
We tear it down and build it back up. And <laughs> yep. And so that'll be another, that'll be a fun time for Americans to, uh, to have all that. I agree. It'll create some jobs, you know, because we'll be, we'll be shipping concrete over there or whatever. But hey, one last thing I want to say about this. I don't know if you heard when, um, Kim Jong-un's grandfather, uh, Kim Il-sung was the leader and he asked all of his generals like, well, what if, what if the, the imperialists win the war? What do we do? And they're like, oh, they'll never win. They can't beat us. And he's like, what, what, what if they do? Mm-hmm. And his son, Kim Jong-un said, I forget exactly. It was pretty much like they'll burn the whole world down. Or, right. So if they, if they know they're going to lose, they're just going to try to inflict and do as much damage as they possibly can. Yeah, exactly. And, this should be avoided at all costs. Yeah. And let's not forget, too, um, one final thing to add, too, and, and you know this already, but uh, I'm not sure how many people out there know it. But also, the I mean, the Kim Jong family has been digging into the mountains. North Korea, exceptionally rocky, mountainous, hard terrain. They dig into there. They've got caverns and bunkers and all sorts of infrastructure under the mountains. So even if we go in there... There's not necessarily guarantee that we're going to wipe it all out at once. And they've got the ability to oh, hide no. under those mountains and keep shooting out and, and messing in, with In them. the first Korean War, we pretty much destroyed everything that was above ground. So they have built so many undergrounds and anything of any importance is protected underground. So, right. I mean, a lot of these things we're not going to be able to take out. We're going to have to invade. We're going to, it's going to have to be boots on the ground. They're perfectly set up for um, an insurgency uh, type campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. We we never know what the people are going to do. Maybe they'll be happy to be free. Maybe they won't, and they'll fight us for fifty years. I don't know, man. I've I've heard two different things coming out of there. So, hey, you hear some of the stories where people got out and they're like it was horrible, but you also hear the stories where they talk about the way he's the you know people like still revere him in a way. Um, you know, they're they're so brainwashed that they do the you know, supreme leader. They there's a large segment of that population that is still loyal to him, no matter how bad it gets. Shocking. <laughs> Some people get out too. It's like in Shawshank Redemption, where the guy gets out of prison and he doesn't know how to deal with it. They yeah. like they can't adjust to life in the South where they're not being told what to do all the time there's and what too they're much supposed great TV. to. I can't deal with how much great TV there is, man. These people, oh, they have to buy not, like not, a... Not in South Korea, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I hear the South Korean soap operas are exceptionally popular in North Korea. You could be shot over having one. Eh, small doses, though, right, I guess. <laughs> All right. So then what do you give it, man? Are you giving North Korea... Are you giving Donald Trump's handling of North Korea at this to this point a Trump or a dump? I'm giving this a dump. We should not have let the rhetoric get this far. It's too dangerous. All right. All right. Interesting. I am also going to give it a dump. And I don't know. I, I, I say it. I hesitate because it's one of those situations where everybody has kind of messed this up. And I feel that Trump is not. I mean, Trump's national inclination is, is for aggressiveness and bluster anyway, but he's definitely not helped. However, he's also in a position now where you don't want to look weak. You don't want to be looking like you're going to roll over when they're testing these quasi nukes. So it's a very tough call, but I agree that it could have been handled much more diplomatically, much, uh, with less sanctions, with more diplomacy, trying to work to improve. I said before, work to improve those joint industrialized zones, help things better over there rather than continuously antagonize. I mean, may- maybe it will work out. I don't know, but it just seems like too big of a risk with too many lives on the line. Yeah. Yeah, great. All right. Well, that's North Korea talk. So let's talk about another thing. So this is, you know, Donald Trump, his whole big thing is fake news, right? We all know fake news, his favorite thing in the world to say. And I can't say that I disagree with them most of the time. Most of the time, it is fake news, especially CNN and MSNBC. They're garbage. Washington Post, New York Times, their, their coverage is purely biased. However, 
Trump has now launched Trump TV. And it's made in Trump Tower. It's overseen by the president's daughter-in-law and uh, Lara Trump, wife of Eric Trump. She's running the show. And basically, it is a propaganda machine for Donald Trump. It's got a CNN, former CNN anchor who hosts it. I mean, Howie, did you, I, I, unfortunately, I did not get a chance to watch any videos or poll videos. So I was going to have a clip. I, I, I did. And man, when I first heard about this, I was hoping it would be so over the top ridiculous. I could not, <laughs> I could not wait to click the link in that video. And it was just boring, positive Trump news. Oh, I, was, so I, I, was, I was really disappointed. I'm like, man, if I want some opposite the mainstream media news i'm just gonna go to alex jones this is too dry uh it's so sporty. i was hoping it was gonna be kind of like an idiocracy the news you know the news broadcast and that where they've got like pro wrestlers reading the news it's like today <laughs> president trump laid a smackdown on a bunch of jagoffs that's <laughs> yeah. what i wanted <laughs> or, or it'd be just like if it was more like scaramucci-esque it would have been awesome enough but oh it, true i'm i'm so sad <laughs> that mooch got Got canned after 11 days. I'm so sad, man. Can't uh, they give us something? That would have been awesome. <laughs> so disappointed. But yeah, so Trump TV. So that's, yeah, again, I didn't see it. And I, I wish I'd had the chance to look in, and really watch some of it. I've got to try to find some. But the concept of it, I think, is just over the top idiotic. And and from a PR perspective, I understand what he's trying to do. But even if you're a an avid Trump supporter, you're still not going to turn to Trump's own in-house news network for news, because you know it's going to be a bunch of bullshit. So yeah. what what if, point does this solve other than to offer? If, if you'd make it exciting, I, I would. But it's right. If it's, I, just, it's clearly propaganda. I mean, I don't care. They're not spending any government money on it. So as long as I'm not being robbed to fund this, no. And I, I just I just wish it was more entertaining and not just it really dry but positive for Trump news. Yeah, just boring, boring platitudes. And yeah. you know what this is and it, this wouldn't even have been illegal to do about 12 years ago and not even 12 years ago, 8 years ago I think, where they legalized it, the uh the Smith-Munt Act, not even less than that, 5 years ago. The Obama it was the Obama era. Obama legalized they they repealed the Smith-Munt Act which allowed you to to broadcast domestic propaganda uh or d- propaganda that was intended at foreign audiences domestically. And but but so, this is a uh, private though, right? It's not a government operation. Is it's it? not, but it's still, it's, I mean, the line there, it, considering it's Trump TV and it is essentially <laughs> an arm run by Donald Trump's son and his daughter-in-law, it is essentially a government arm. Let's, let's not joke right. around. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's just, it's so, so stupid. Well, um, I mean, what the, the liberals have CNN, what? It's only fair. True. And Obama did hire a lot of journalists to work in the White House straight out of their uh, newspapers and TV stations. It's a big incestuous uh, revolving door. Yes, it really it really and truly is. It Washington that's the <laughs> revolving swamp. door of incest. The it's like the instead of the swamp, the media of Washington is like the bottom of the orgy pool. It's just a lot of lube and liquid that you don't want to know where it came from. And they're all just nope. squirming around in there. So, suffice to say, I think we probably both agree Tell me if I'm wrong that this is a massive dump. Yeah, I give this a dump myself. Huge D train. All right. Next topic. Let's talk about the uh, Trump backing the immigration point system. And this is a 
a new concept. Actually, it's not. It's, I don't even know it's a new concept, but it's a concept that the Trump White House supports. This is in Brian. This is an old concept. Yeah, that right? the Demo- Democrats have been backing forever until now. The Trump is for it. They're freaking out. This right, is yeah. racist. <laughs> <laughs> now it's yeah, now it goes against the the poem at the base of the Statue of Liberty uh, per CNN's uh, whatever Acosta. <laughs> Which isn't wasn't even originally part of the Statue of Liberty. Just yeah, tacked on there by, by some jerks, some some hooligans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this this immigration says, well, you know, here I'll let you I'll let you tell the people. I've been talking too much already on this podcast. Well, pretty much. Instead of having what they do now, which is like this lottery where they pick people to get green cards for some reason, like that's a good way to do it. Yeah, they want to have a, a point based system where if you have a high skill that's in demand here, you get like points for that. If you speak English, you get points for that. You know, things so that we're actually the people we're letting in would benefit America the most as well. So it's not just random luck of the draw. Let's give it give us some immigrants. It's we're actually trying to attract people that are well-skilled to make America a better place. Right. And and you can understand where the pushback from the from the Democrat side is, uh, well, you know, you're supposed to be taking the huddled masses, the poor, and blah, blah, blah. And, and again, it's, it is a good point, though, that, well, they don't really help us. I mean, they help us at a certain extent, but we've got plenty of illegal immigrants that are, that are soaking up the poor jobs already, I guess is one argument. Um, yeah. I, mean, I think you can be, be poor and speak English, too. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and honestly... I know it, some people might say that this is uncouth, but I do think if you move here, you should do your goddamnedest to learn to speak English. I know. Don't send me any stupid tweets. I know that English is not the official language. I know America doesn't have an official yeah. language, but I still think it's a detrimental to both the people coming here and the culture of America to have efforts to speak every other yeah. language and have all these schools that are going into, okay, well, we're going to cater to Spanish. We're going to speak Spanish. We're going to it doesn't help the people to acclimate and acculturate to what America is. It doesn't help other people accept them into the American culture. It probably fosters more racism when they don't speak English. And yet people go around and they're reminded that they're never going to have to because they live in barrios and we're, they were putting up signs in Spanish everywhere. Um, I think you should have to learn to speak English. <laughs> I do agree yeah, with I that. Mean- I mean, I don't think you should have to, but do well, yourself a favor. To, but do, yeah. do yourself a, fa- a favor and learn the language of the land you want to move to. Exactly. And um, I mean, I, I, I'm the- all I'm all for the melting pot, you know. Everybody come here, kind of assimilate into our country, our values, which are based on individual liberty and freedom. Um, you know, bring aspects of your culture. That's great, and we'll culturally appropriate the good ones, right? And you know, we all melt it down in the pot, and we're Americans. That's right. well. What's happened I'm for that? <laughs> what's I, what's ha- what I feel has happened, and I think a lot of other people echo this too, is that I've seen, and you see it in Los Angeles too, uh, quite a bit, is that people come here and then they don't make an effort to acculturate. It's almost as if they reject American culture in a lot of ways. And instead they try to, uh, they try to stick to their own, stick to their own culture and then it's, and have little neighborhoods. And uh, granted, there's always been neighborhoods and I love those neighborhoods, Chinatown and little. Yeah. And it's usually over a couple of generations. That kind of. Right. Exactly. But, but I will say it makes it much easier if there's not an emphasis on speaking English. And that was a big thing when people used to move here was, okay, my, I, I may not speak the best English, but my kids sure as hell will speak English and they will be Americans. That was a, position of pride you know you you will be an american you will speak english and you will make your way in the world and i don't know if that emphasis still exists anymore we're getting off on a tangent here but i just feel like from a cultural standpoint i don't know if that's as emphasized and keeping a a strong cultural heritage to the country used to come from uh seems to have taken a much stronger place in a lot of 
uh, first and second generation, even third generation onward from immigrants in these, at least in LA, I see it a lot. Yeah. And I think before you become a citizen, you should at least have to know about our history and about the principles that the country was founded on, at least have an understanding of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and, you know, all about that kind of stuff before. Yeah. Before you're able to vote for well, it certainly would help. socialism instead. <laughs> it's well, it's, that would alleviate some of the fears, at least I know in uh, in libertarian circles that people fear that when you have unchecked immigration, per se, if you open up the borders, uh, then you would have these massive voting blocks that would just come in. And if everybody can vote, you can immediately change the laws in the country. And and uh, that would go that would alleviate some fears if they had to know that if they're going to come to the country, the basis of it, liberty, freedom, et cetera. Yep. They should have to listen to Lions Literary Podcast. Damn well right. <laughs> so in general, though, this immigration points policy, though, what do you feel about that? The, the basic concept, though, of people that come in should have to have a skill. And we are going to essentially I mean, it is discriminating, which I'm fine with as a libertarian, obviously. But we're discriminating against people that have lesser skills. And and I don't know if they have if they're going to keep existing like I I am for worker visas. I basically think that I, everybody should just have work visas. But um yeah, what are your thoughts on the on the actual point system? Are you for it? Are you against it? Are you torn? Um, so I I think that anyone that wants to come and work here should be able to get a work visa to do so. You know, as long as we can ensure you're not a violent criminal or a terrorist. But as far as being able to like permanently move here and possibly become a citizen, I think we should be discriminating and giving um using something like this point system for our uh for permanent immigration. Uh, I think it's a good idea. I think we want to attract the best in the world to help make our country even better. I would agree with you there. I think if you have a limited number uh, that you're going to give out, I think it makes a lot of sense to make sure that the people receiving those do deserve to be here and that they are bringing something of value to the country. Um, so I agree with you there. And I also, I'm, I think this was tied into the same concept here, but they were also looking for for people that would be coming in and filling jobs, which were not the jobs within that middle America kind of, you know, everyday American working man kind of jobs. They were more targeted towards people that would be specialists or have a very, a very unique set of skills. Kind of. Well, like hopefully they have the right political views to work at Google. If that's what they're going <laughs> yeah, for. Seriously. <laughs> some, some of these other countries, I don't know if they're going to cut the, uh, the liberal mold. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what do you give it? Do you give it a Trump or do you give it a dump? I'm going to give this a, Trump. Interesting. I was hoping we would disagree on one of these along the way, but I also agree. <laughs> I think I also think that this empirically gets a Trump. Um, and again, Howie and I both agree. I'm sure most people uh, listen to this podcast agree. I would be far more for just if you want to come here, here's your work visa. And, you know, you, you're not you are not guaranteed citizenship at all. Um, but you can come here and work as much as you damn well please. But uh, that ain't the system in place. So, and if you right. lose your job, though, you got to go. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> as exactly long as you, right. as long as you have employment here, you, as long as you're paying into the system, because in. otherwise we're just yeah. having a welfare state that's uh, that right. And, and unless, unless you're a, unless you're a citizen, I don't think you should be eligible for any kind of welfare benefits. Nope, agreed. I don't even, and that's the thing. I don't even think that even coming and working here, I don't even think you should be eligible for welfare benefits. Necessarily. Oh no, 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 because I mean you're not you're not a citizen then. You're right. just here on work, so right. that stuff's not so for you. If your employer provides you, so, you know, let's say your employer provides health health care while you're here in country and as soon as you're gone then that's it you know that's that's all she wrote yep okay okay so let's move on what the last thing i want to talk about in this podcast 
And I'm trying to keep this a little bit shorter because the last few I've done have been like an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> it's too long. But uh, this is something, Howie, where, I mean, at first blush, a lot of people are not going to be for it. But essentially what, <laughs> what this is, is I read a story and it's coming out of the UK where in the United Kingdom, you are allowed to legally own a sex doll that is a child. However, you're not allowed to import one. And people get arrested. There was an example of the 72-year-old man who had imported a child-sized sex doll from China. They found out at the border he's now going to jail or he's going to trial. But the purpose of these sex dolls, and this is a, mm-hmm. it's like two, a battle of two psychiatry uh, organizations, essentially. The, you know, wait, wait, like, before you go any further, is it legal, though? What if it's a midget sex doll, adult midget? Oh, good question. Would it have to have the little hands? Or if it was a dwarf? Hmm. Like that's like fantasy dungeon dragon style. Tour. I don't know. I would say I would say legal. Good way to skirt the system, <laughs> Howie. I think you just thought of their next big idea. Sure, sure this is child size, but it's got a beard. <laughs> can we get? Can we get? Uh, let's get. Let's get donor C on the phone here and see if we can donor C up some midgets, midget uh, <laughs> dwarf dolls. Um, okay, so let's continue on. So the purpose of this is one one organization that works with a lot of pedophiles, a lot of sex offenders. They argue. And a similar argument to put forth, by the way, in Japan, they argue that you should be able to have these child sex dolls by prescription from doctors that are working with these people. And in Japan, they had a thing where it's, you know, they, they already have uh, essentially what is little you know cartoon girls in the UK. You, it's, that is banned, though. You can't have cartoon porn of, of children either. The argument is that that provides these people with an outlet and also that if they have an issue, like most people are not going to go to a doctor, even if they're attracted to children, it's been so demonized and stigmatized that they would not go to a doctor to admit it for fear that they would be turned into the police, that the FBI or the, uh, you know, whatever the, the FBI in the UK is called, Scotland Yard would be knocking on the door. So they don't, and instead they squash it down inside, they download illegal uh, pictures, or God forbid they go out and they rape somebody or molest a child or do whatever they're going to do that's horrible. The other side argues that this is, quote unquote, normalizing the practice of having sex with a child by having the sex doll. So, Howie, what are your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> obviously, it's disturbing and, you know, sick to, to be attracted to children. Um, well, hold on. Let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there, because this is a, this is a topic. <laughs> I know. Weird to admit this, but. Uh, and by the way, no, guys, I am not a pedophile. I'm not attracted to children in any way, shape or form. But it's a it's a story that I had read and I had, I actually thought about it quite a bit because it, it intrigued me, this argument. And I wanted to stop it there because what happens sometimes, especially with people that are mentally retarded or mentally handicapped um, or have a disability or have stunted emotional or learning uh, abilities, they will become adults and be able to function in the world, like, like like the guy working at McDonald's who you know ain't quite right, but he's able to function in the world. Those people have stopped their emotional and their sexual growth at a certain age, so they then would be attracted to ten year olds or eight year olds because that's where mentally they stop their progression. So just putting that out there, just to say, not everybody just happens to have a specific attraction as a normal person. All right. This reminds me of what Ayn Rand called like lifeboat ethics. Like this is how many people is that? Like what percentage? 
Well, like it's that's not a big such, such that that's got to be such a rare. Oh, it's a tiny percent. It's like my my emotional mental development stopped so young that I'm attracted to children because apparently for me sexual attraction is from your um, your like uh, mental status and not your body. Well, I'm just I, I I'm know. pointing it out I, because that. people that are literally they are, <laughs> have an IQ of 50 that are functioning. Uh, have gone to jail where they're then raped and murdered for molesting children where they're basically uh, have, don't have the IQ to understand what they did was wrong. Yeah. I think that's a separate issue though. It's the, it's, it, legally it's the same issue <laughs> from a legal standpoint. So anyway, continue. <laughs> Anyways. So, oh, geez, this is such a hard topic. It um, is, but that's why, Hey man, we're taking on the hard topics here in the lives uh, of the podcast, dude. Obviously, I don't think you should need a prescription. I think it should just be legal. It's not hurting anyone. It's a doll. It's a piece of plastic, piece of rubber. I would much rather a pedophile be at home with a sex doll than actually committing a crime. Um, I don't know. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's – I mean I don't – wouldn't be friends with somebody that had one. I think it's <laughs> fucked up to be attracted to children. Well, you uh, probably would still keep it in the closet. Although, then again, if I had a regular sex doll, I would still keep that in the closet too. <laughs> I wouldn't parade it around. Although, I heard, I heard a story. Who was this? Norm McDonald, I think, was talking about it. Uh, and he's like, you ever go over to Drew Carey's house and hang out with a guy? And apparently he just has like a sex dolls sitting around. He's like, oh, yeah, you want to go have sex with her? <laughs> Man, there's, there's strange people. Good libertarian, Luke Drew Carey. Allegedly, I, allegedly. I, I mean, the thing is, Hopefully this would stop them from doing it. I don't know if it would or if it isn't, but it in itself isn't harming someone. So, you know, of course, as a libertarian, they're not going to have a law against a victimless crime. The, yeah. I mean, no victim, nothing wrong. Well, let me ask you, some let me... of these, these laws fascinate me. You mentioned that it's illegal to have like cartoons of kids having sex. In the UK it is. Yeah. It's like, like how strict is that? Like if I drew stick figure kids, like, is well, that, no, but that, I mean, more like, like the so anime how, style of, right, so uh, it's got to be a certain level of good drawing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your artistic talent depends on what you, whether you go to jail or not, <laughs> like, a, like a clay sculpture or like some play. I don't know. It's yeah. all crazy. If there's not a victim, there's not a crime. Exactly. It, 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 any case for everything. I agree. It's, it's like fucked up as it is. Well, it you should know what? be, it should and maybe it will do some good. I, I don't believe, know if it will. I hope that. Well, I, I would hope so. And and look, there's a question of whether or not, like anything else, that people, it, nobody, just like the argument for homosexuality, where people were like, you know, you chose to be gay, and and somebody's like, knowing all the shit that gays go through that are put through. I mean, now it's not as bad, but there's still there's still going to be some some trials and tribulations that you have to go through as a gay male or gay female. That the gay argument was, why would I put myself through this just to, for the hell of it? And I have to no, think I'm, the same I, thing about I'm pedophiles, saying, where I'm you not know, it's, the person can't help it, right? Well, well, exactly. But that's the point. I, I'm I think is, I think they're mentally ill, I, I, and right. I and it's it's the laws are a little bit different than I think reality. I mean, so it's what what year was it? Like eighteen is the legal age. I think if someone is attracted to someone who's seventeen or sixteen, that that's all right, it's illegal, but it's maybe not, I don't know, it's blurry. But when it comes to like a child, like a six-year-old, that's something wrong. You're, there's something mentally wrong. I could understand like a teenager, like a post-pubescent like person. I mean, right. you are... Well, that's, I think, yeah, that's that gets more into where you define adulthood and they're, yeah, they're more developed. I think we're I, all more concerned, far more concerned with people that are, yeah, molesting yeah. children that are... 
under their teens. Right. And, and I mean, I, I understand it's a, it's that people aren't, aren't as emotionally or mentally developed at 16 or not, but it's a completely different thing. I, I think if you're talking about younger than teens, it's a mental illness. It's a sickness. Um, these people should probably get treatment, but if they act on it and hurt a child, they should be punished to the fullest extent of the law. Well, obviously, and I agree with you there. And um, they aren't being anyone having sex with the doll. Yeah, exactly. So, and these dolls, and like I said before too, because of the stigma associated, nobody goes to these doctors. But if you have doctors available, and I agree completely, they should just be able, you should have a, a child sex doll warehouse you can go to somewhere. But in lieu <laughs> Who's of paying that, for this? yeah, in lieu <laughs> of that, uh, just go to this, the corner of C and Isle sex doll. Um, it's like, the half of the place is where you go to shoot your legal heroin, and the other half is like the child sex doll. <laughs> well, they they equated it with giving methadone to a heroin addict. I mean, and essentially, yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think it's not normalizing it because it's something where if they get the urge to do it, like, look, I'm you're right now. You've got well, your my my uh, wife listens to this podcast sometimes. I think your um, your fiance listens to it probably more often. She's more of a libertarian, uh, a, a more of a a driven libertarian than my wife is. But I will say this: we've all been in relationships before, and you get to a point sometimes where you're like, man, you know, I just really want to have sex with somebody else. And if you haven't jerked off for a couple of days. It really builds up, and then you finally get some little time. You turn on some porn, you spank it to somebody new, and you're like, oh, "I feel much better." And yeah, I, so yeah, I the guess they get it thing. out of their system, and then they, all they want to do is go take a nap or something. Exactly, get it mm-hmm. out. Let them get it out of their system. <laughs> and since they don't have any porn they can look at without fear of being arrested uh, or breaking the law, and they have no outlet for this for this illness or this uh, sexual attraction. How, what are they going to do? It's build up and build up. It's going to drive them nuts. And you have no other recourse. So maybe it look, it might not stop everybody from killing someone. Just like porn doesn't stop every rape in the world. But at so, least it gives them an option. If it saves, look, if, if putting child sex dolls out there saves four kids, it's great. Put it in, so, put it out so in service. What's it hurting? I, I think I have, I think I have a compromise for the people that are concerned is going to normalize this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Why don't we legalize the sex dolls? But then also increase the penalties for people to actually rape kids. There you go. It works for me, man. Well, hey, you know what? It's just like uh, it, like anything. It's right now. There's pretty severe penalties for uh, raping and murdering children, but people still do it. And just like you could outlaw guns, but people are still going to get guns if they're criminals. Is, is so there's there always going to be a problem. Is there in Europe, this- though? I hear like these immigrants are coming into these European countries and raping people and getting like. A few months or a year, like oh, they'd understand it was wrong. Well, in their I culture, know Sweden, they're not, that's, they're not used uh, to seeing bikinis and stuff. You couldn't help them. Or the one guy, he had the sexual emergency, so he had to rape like an underage girl. Oh God! And well, I, like, that I do, honestly don't know enough about to say. So at least Europe can beef up their uh, raping kid laws. Yeah, God, just put up, put Jesus, Europe, put some, put some sex dolls on the corners there for the uh, the immigrants <laughs> to rape. <laughs> Ugh. But yeah, I, in general, though, I think we're agree with that. And these, these sex dolls are a good thing. And all this pushback, it's, you know, it's from these organizations. Won't somebody think about the children? It's like, well, we are thinking about the children. Thinking That's why we want to do this. Much. Yeah, they're thinking, <laughs> they've been thinking about, stop saying it. Stop saying that. That's um, that's what started it all. They kept hearing <laughs> it over and over again, and they couldn't stop thinking about the children. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. So, Howie, I thank you for coming on Electric Liberty Land. Always a pleasure, sir. Time. 
And let me uh, wrap the show up by saying, guys, that I do want you all to follow us on Facebook at Lions of Liberty. Follow us on Twitter. Same thing at Lions of Liberty. You can find me at Brian McWilliams on the old tweet box. Also, guys, make sure that you check out our awesome new Electric Liberty Land t-shirts at lionsofliberty.store. And, of course, for only $5, you can join the Pride, get all sorts of awesome content, listen to me, Howie, Mark, and Rico talk about Alex Jones versus Bill Hicks. It was fairly epic. We even got into some Seth Rich talk, and uh, God knows what other topics we're going to get into on our Conspiracy Corner special. So, guys, from me, from Howie, from the Lions of Liberty, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.